0: This morning's Old Testament reading is from the book of the prophet Isaiah in the 40th chapter, beginning at verse 6 and continuing through verse 10. I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. A voice says, cry, and I said, what shall I cry All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like a flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Go up on a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. Our New Testament reading for this morning is from the first letter of Peter in the first chapter, beginning at verse 17 and continuing through verse 23. Again, I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord, as it is there written. If you invoke as Father, the one who judges all peoples impartially according to their deeds, live in reverence fear during the time of your exile. Are set on God. Now that you have been purified, now that you have purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, so that you have genuine mutual love, love one another deeply from the heart. You have been born anew, not of perishable, but of imperishable seed through the living and enduring Word of God. And two bonus verses. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever. That word is the good news that was announced to you. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. One of the opening activities that was on tap at the small church conference I attended last month was a series of icebreaker exercises designed to help folks get to know a bit more about each other. Now, you may have been involved in some sort of gathering at which this sort of thing was done. For an introvert, I can tell you, it does not reduce our anxiety level. When in a large room occupied by many other people we have not met before but are expected to become quickly acquainted with, we have to stand up and speak. Anyhow, I share this to relate one of the activities that was forced upon us. We were asked to segregate ourselves with others who shared an affinity for the same season now perhaps on account of the fact that we were meeting in south georgia there were a few there who admitted that winter was their preferred season there were also a few who voted for summer they must have been transplants But the majority were split pretty evenly between fall and spring. I was in the latter camp. This time of year, spring, is my favorite season of the year for a number of reasons. Despite the pollen, thank goodness for allergy tablets, I love the lengthening days, the warming temperatures the return of more species of birds, and seeing things color up after the drab palette of the winter months, the leaves budding on the trees, the flowers beginning to grow and bloom, the grass greening up, and in need of cutting and trimming and cutting and trimming and cutting and trimming some more. Oh, and Vivaldi, one of my favorite pieces of classical music, This is The Four Seasons, as it's not only a beautiful piece of music, but it's also a masterwork of audio storytelling. And I have a particular fondness for the movement entitled Spring, just some of the things I'm partial to this time of year. Despite the glories of the season, though, as the author of 1 Peter reminds us, it is but a season, and it and we too shall pass. All flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls, or in another translation, the flower fades. Perhaps that's one of the reasons that my mother used to dry dry Queen Anne's lace and hang it in the kitchen throughout the year as a way of remembering a season of blossoms, of new life, and new possibilities. Scripture exhorts us to hang on to something throughout our years as well, and that something is none other than itself, the enduring word of our enduring God, and our family is I'm sure many of yours as well, has hung in the kitchen and elsewhere throughout our house reminders of God's word. But simply having a few wall hangings from Hobby Lobby with scripture quotes on them over the sink isn't very profitable if we've gotten so accustomed to seeing them in that space that we no longer notice that they're there, much less what they say. It's the same with having a a beautiful heirloom family Bible up on a shelf in the living room or even more prominently displayed there on a coffee table. It does little good until it's opened up and its texts engaged with, as the old saying goes, uh, Bibles and parachutes both work better when they're open. And when we do exactly that, open the scriptures up, we hear the words of God speaking to us in our spring, our summer, our winter, our fall, all of our season. When I read this passage that we heard this morning from 1 Peter, I can't help but hear old blue eyes crooning, it was a very good year. Can you imagine, though, if that's all there was, just a single year, as it were, so many think about their existence in just such terms, and they are both to be pitied and consoled. But just a little reminder, in case you needed it, and honestly, I think that even the best of us can use it from time to time, we are a resurrection people. With that reassurance contained in this excerpt from 1 Peter, there are two more things I want to draw your attention to here. As our New Testament text for this morning puts it, we have been born anew not of perishable but of imperishable seed through the living and enduring word of God. So we have the assurance that there is more to our existence than just a single set of Of seasons. What they will look like, we cannot say for certain, but because of what we know about the nature of the God who has ordered and ordained and purchased those seasons in advance for us, we can rest assured that they will be quite extraordinary. The second we find a little further on in our reading, the exhortation for us to live in reverent fear during the time of your exile, which seems a rather archaic way of thinking about our relationship with our good, good Heavenly Father. But as merciful and full of grace as He is, God is still seated on the great bench of justice and will, on the last day, judge us all, all people, impartially, according to their deeds. We, who know God, know this to be true. With that knowledge, then, we ought to have a healthy dose of respect for his authority. For those who do not know or will not acknowledge this reality, may we pray after the manner of Jesus on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And this notion of being compassionate That's the next thing I want to bring your attention to. The writer of this epistle phrases it this way. Now that you have purified your souls by your obedience to the truth so that you have genuine mutual love, love one another deeply from the heart. As we were talking about this morning in our Bible study Love one another, not with with simply a a, a brotherly sort of love, as a friend might have, but love in a sacrificial way, in a a way that doesn't expect something in return, in in a way like Christ. This sort of sacrificial love that's being demanded here lays at the heart of compassion. It's modeled after the love that God has shown to us, most vividly demonstrated in the life and example of his only begotten Jesus. It was his loving, sacrificial act that opened the doors to us, to this new life, both in this present age and in the age to come. Though what Jesus did cannot be replicated, his life can be emulated. And that's what we, as those who have come to understand through the words of Scripture, the great gift and the great giver, have tasked us to do. We can't be Jesus, of course, but through the power of the Spirit that animated him in life and raised him from the dead, we can be Jesus-like. That may sound like a a lofty goal or one you don't think you're qualified for, but I believe the author of this letter knew both of these objections during his time at Jesus' side. And yet, it was on one just so seemingly unprepared and flawed that Jesus called him to be both head of the apostles and a rock the first rule of work in any profession, or any vocation, if you will, is to show up. And that's where it all begins, when you punch in on the clock, accepting the job, and then showing up, reporting for duty. When Jesus walked beside the lake shore, he summoned followers from the fishermen there with only the vaguest of references to the work that they were being called to do. He didn't print up and hand out itemized job descriptions to them. But those who accepted showed up. They reported for duty and made themselves available for whatever it was the master was going to show them he needed them to do. I believe it's the same for us. Accepting the summons to follow Jesus involves A conscious decision to make ourselves available to be used by him for the furtherance of his kingdom on earth. And much of that work involves compassion. Compassion on and love for others, even those whom we might not really desire to have compassion on and love for. What's being addressed here in this letter is care and concern for one another. Here, fellow believers, yet again, there are plenty of our brothers and sisters in Christ we might really not desire to have compassion on, nor love for, but that is precisely the work and the power of the cross. We might not be able to bring ourselves to do these sorts of things on our own, but we aren't being asked to do it on our own, for we have the gift of the power of the Holy Spirit, Through him, all things are possible. We just need to show up, make ourselves available, and trust in and rely upon the God who is and always will be with us. He has never failed to fulfill a covenant nor a promise. So while the flesh, our flesh, may be weak and perishable, that which we have put on in Christ is neither. Spring is the season for planting. So why not sow some seeds of compassion and love? The soil may be a bit on the hard side and the sun may be a bit on the warm side, but the hardest of the work has already been done and we are yoked to one who is more than capable of aiding us along the way. Maybe start by offering some Compassion and love to those who are closest to you, those under the same roof seven days a week or even just one day a week. Intentionally dedicate yourself to the task of being open to the power of the Spirit to guide, aid, and abet you in your interactions. Lift up your voice with strength, heralds of good news. Lift it up Fear not, who knows, you just might kindle the flames of the next Jesus revolution. Spring, summer, fall, winter, each and every season is a season for planting in God's kingdom. And for that, we may truly say, thanks be to God and amen.